Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today for Episode 3 of our special series on Coming Back Stronger, sponsored by Microsoft. If you've not listened to the first two episodes of this series, I urge you to go back and do that as well. We've been focused on what we need to do as a society now to build a better economy and a better future of work, and the discussions have been pretty interesting, and today's will be no different. When we talk about the future of work, it's pretty clear that no one will be able to just get some basic training and figure that they're set for life anymore. Our future is going to be about continuous education, continuous reskilling, and we have to adjust our thinking and our institutions around that. Because if we want to come back stronger for the long term, not just to bounce back in 2021, but to be ready for the decades to come, we have to set the foundations in place now. So to talk about how that might evolve, I'm really lucky today to be joined by a university president, and what's more, a university president who really has her eye on the future. Deborah McClatchy is our guest, and she's the president of Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo, Ontario. Now, maybe you're familiar with the name of that school, maybe you're not, but one of the things that's unique about Laurier is that it's already started to focus on training past the traditional four years. So I talked to Deborah McClatchy about that, how it might work, and what she sees as some of the biggest challenges ahead. She has some great thoughts on all of it, so please stay with us. Well, how do we keep skills updated in a world where things are changing faster than ever? Our guest today thinks that part of the solution has to come from educational institutions, and she's changing the one she leads to make good on that. Deborah McClatchy is the president of Wilfrid Laurier University, and she joins us now from Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Deb. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Linda. It's great to be here today. Well, we have so much to talk about, but you know, I always like to start by asking guests about their own backgrounds. How did you get to be where you are? Was this always an ambition or did another path lead you here? Uh, I think uh, really a, a, another path led me here in that, you know, I, I loved uh, learning when I was uh, in high school. I loved it when I was in university. I got hooked on doing research and became a university professor but it was really leading within the organization and, and being able to affect change, uh, which made me want to be a university administrator and eventually led me to being uh, president of Wilfrid Laurier University. And there's so many challenges for you and for others who are at the heads of institutions. I want to talk about the future, but let's go back for a minute. When you look at the job that universities and colleges in Canada and the U.S. and elsewhere have historically done, do you think they've been able to give students the skills to navigate long careers? I think absolutely they have, and and that that is one thing that universities have done uh, an exceptional job at, because the skills that we've focused on uh, at universities include really enduring skills like critical thinking, like leadership, being adaptable, um, learning about ethics, being creative, empathy, all of those are the types of things that are interwoven into all the subject matter technical information that students learn, whether they're doing that through science or arts or business or education, social work, whatever it is that they're taking, they're learning all of those other enduring skills embedded in, in in their learning. 
You know, that's a great point. I think we sometimes forget that when people talk about students graduating and not being ready for the workforce. They're talking about technical skills. And the fact is, we need a lot more than that. Oh, ab- absolutely. And and universities have really um, taken our mission to be that, yes, we create uh, new knowledge, we disseminate that new knowledge, but we also are uh, providing a very strong foundation and skills that will last a lifetime. Yeah, we can't get away from the fact, though, that the economy is changing. This is the fourth industrial revolution, arguably. Automation is going faster than ever. What does that change in terms of how you look at university education or post-secondary education? Do you think you have to change it up to meet that, or are we okay as we are? Oh, I think not just the future of work, but the future of learning uh, is is changing. Uh, and that we're also we're already seeing uh, some of those signs of change already. Uh, as you said, you know, career paths are no longer linear. People don't necessarily stay uh, with the same employer for decades and decades. Uh, retirement uh, looks very, very different as, as people are uh, thankfully living much longer lives. I think that, uh, you know, people who are born today can can plan on 100 plus years of, of life. And so what your pattern then of school and work, um, stopping out to raise family, stopping out to do elder care, stopping out to do sabbaticals, or to travel, all of those things have have become something that are, are that are now intersected within your life versus that they're in these absolutely defined stages uh, in a very linear linear way. And so I think because of that, then universities have had to change because we have to consider ourselves to be more porous and more fluid in that people will probably be starting in and stopping out of their educational pathways throughout their lives now. Well, I know, like, historically, if you've gone to university in the first place, you're more comfortable coming back later in your life, right? Which is why previous generations perhaps didn't look for later life education. Are you seeing a change now that we have a lot of boomers who did get a degree at some point and maybe now or later in the careers are retiring? Yes, certainly. And I think certainly there's always been a a tradition of people coming back post-retirement for, you know, lifelong learning to to learn the things that they were always uh, curious about. So maybe the computer science programmer who's always had a passion for history and wants to come back to university and, 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 and learn some of, some of that. But I think what we're, the changes that we're looking at now are people are coming back because they want to learn the, the skills and to evolve their their abilities align with work and what their work needs, not just what perhaps their um, lifelong learning passionate um, interests are. Well, on the work side of it, can you give us some examples of how this works for people, what you offer or who's coming back? Sure, absolutely. So I think some of the things that we're seeing, for example, are um, obviously, our whole lives now um, are tied to a digital future. And so one of the uh, certificates that we give at the university is a digital literacy and 
Emerging Technology Certificate. And students come in and they can be coming in from different areas. They can be coming in because they're a police officer and they're now doing their investigations digitally versus, uh, you know, doing, doing, them, doing them in person. Or they're coming in from a marketing perspective and need to, to, need to understand digital, digital marketing. So what they're coming in to learn in this certificate are things around Bitcoin and blockchains, smart cities, cybercrime, AI, all of those buzzwords that we hear about being so impactful, but people need to have a deeper understanding of them if they're going to be able to apply what they're doing at work um, with that kind of background knowledge that they need to be understanding these very new, evolving, rapidly uh, changing digital concepts. And what's the attitude when people come back? Are they willing and excited about this? Or is there any hesitancy that you see? You know, I think for some people, online learning is new. So they're learning a new set of skills by coming back and learning, you know, how do, how do I use chat? How do I do group work with uh, fellow students? How do I interact with my professor? How do I um, get information? So some of that is new, but mostly we find a lot of exciting, a lot of excitement from people um, as, as they quickly understand how the things that they're learning are all are very are very applicable to the things that they're doing at work or doing in other parts of their parts of their life and that drives that very positive reinforcement of of you know learning and then being able to apply it it's a real mindset change though is it not because we've tended to think of this as get your degree maybe get a master's degree and probably you're done especially if you've got a university education, you don't necessarily go back for the technical things, maybe an MBA much later. But you're talking about really changing your thinking over a longer term. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, I think that one of the things really looking forward to doing is how universities partner with uh, employers so that uh, what uh, their employees are learning as they come back and do this this in and out, uh, that it's it's very much attuned a to in a holistic way to what the the individual needs, what the employer needs, and what the university can provide. And that triad is really where I see the success of a lot of this going forward. For sure, at least that's a framework you can build on. But the other part of it is the soft skills you mentioned earlier. You know the uh, World Economic Forum has been all over this for years. They've come out with these skills like empathy and team building and everything that they say people need to have. But those are so hard. Well, I guess they're hard to even discern in people. They're hard to rate. When you say you build them at universities, are there specific ways you do that? Well, certainly some of the some of the thing some of the way one of the ways that we we work at the universities, we do quite a bit of immersive learning. And so what that means is you're really bringing in real real world challenges into the university environment where students can then look at it from all different types types of of angles. Uh, And so an example would be in business programs where they do a lot of uh, uh, case, uh, case learning in which they take and take these long kids and they look at them from perspectives of marketing, from organizational behavior, from uh, consumers, from uh, financial aspects and integrate all of all of those. And really the goal here is, you know, we want business graduates who have very, a very strong um, 
ethics background, social conscious. We want computer programmers to consider equity and accessibility when they're designing software. And so at university, we have the time in our in our courses and our programs, even for students taking part-time cert- certificates, to be able to integrate all of these into their learning. You know, somebody at a major financial institution, I won't say which one, said they're hiring people from all different backgrounds. They hire music grads, they hire communications grads. It doesn't matter so much what people took undergraduate as long as they have developed the right skills and have the right kind of mindset and attitude. What do you think about that? Because people spend so much time choosing the program to study. That's that's really interesting because I meet a lot of parents uh, as well of of high school students and they're you know they're uh, very they're as they're as in, in invested in what their uh, child is going to take as the child um, themselves is and what I always say to parents is your child should take in university the area that they are the most passionate about where they where they thrive the most, because that is how they will learn the best. And this that's where they're going to learn all of these various skills that are going to be their lifelong foundation. So if a student thrives learning about history, then them being in business or biology is, is not going to make them uh, probably as successful, not only in university, but in, in, in the, long, the long term. So I really encourage people to take where they thrive and then integrate and adapt those other skills that are, are critical, uh, like creativity, critical thinking, um, leadership, and even and even technical skills like you know coding and those other things, but embed those in 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 where the passion is. Well, it comes back to the idea that this is not a three or four years and you're done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The World Economic Forum, to mention them again, has said we're in for a reskilling revolution for the workforce. Do you think that's overly dramatic or do you agree with that? Uh, I mean, I think things change a little bit <laughs> more than um, uh, change a little bit more slowly, perhaps, than 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 uh, some of the some of the pundits uh, might, because we live in real, real time. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, absolutely this idea that people are going to be stepping in and stepping out of, you know, of, of learning, um, either by university or, or other types of uh, employer partnerships and things like that um, is certainly is certainly going to happen um, over the next over the next decades. Well, Deb, stay with us. We're going to take a break right now, but I want to come back and talk about what you mentioned about business and how businesses and universities need to be integrated. Microsoft 365 is designed to help you achieve more with innovative office apps, intelligent cloud services, and world-class security. Get work done with productivity solutions and stay connected with your employees and clients, whether you're working remotely or on-site. Microsoft 365 allows you to safeguard your business data with a cloud platform that offers built-in security features for remote and hybrid work. Visit aka.ms forward slash m365forbiz, that is F-O-R-B-I-Z, to learn more about Microsoft 365 for Business. We're back with Deborah McClatchy. She's president of Wilfrid Laurier University. We've been talking about whether education is a three-year, four-year, lifetime thing. And one of the things that came up is the idea that business 
is going to have to be a player in education going forward. What do you particularly like to see in terms of that, Deb? You mentioned that earlier that, you know, this is not just universities going it alone. They have to be working with other institutions. Absolutely. One of the great things that we've been able to do in uh, Waterloo Region is develop the Future of Work and Learning Coalition. Uh, that's been a partnership with Communitech, which is our uh, local uh, entrepreneurial and business hub in this region, uh, working with uh, various employers to really break down um, the pieces that are needed in a, in a system way uh, to support uh, uh, employers, employees, uh, academic institutions in, 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 in this type of, this type of, uh, endeavor. Uh, and so I really see that, you know, businesses right now traditionally do a lot of support. So for example, supporting co-op programs, um, and of students who are in their, their four years of their undergrad. But I think we're really expanding it beyond that for employers to be able to say, okay, I've had, you know, I've, I've got people doing, job X right now. I see that my business is evolving to job Y. There's a gap here. How do I partner with others in the community, such as the universities, uh, in order to um, uh, provide my employees with the flexibility of the time uh, to learn and the incentives to learn in the universities then? How do we do what we do best, which is to uh, to support, support uh, learning through uh, exceptional uh, teaching uh, to support that that transition for those employees. And we should say, for those who are not as familiar with Waterloo, Kitchener-Waterloo in Ontario, Canada is really a tech hub. Uh, lots of companies and lots of innovation. And before this, and I assume now, even during the pandemic, a lack of talent is constantly being cited as one of the biggest problems by business, correct? It is, and it's certainly one that we continue always to uh, work with uh, businesses and, and other uh, organizations, including public sector uh, organizations, uh, to, to understand what that gap is, whether that be for uh, students who are coming out of their undergrad or, or graduate programs, uh, and, or for, uh, you know, students look at, looking at it, looking at different types of students in different uh, parts of their career trajectory. Um, and so really for universities, you know, really what we've been trying to do um, more recently is, yes, we do these enduring skills in a very intense way, uh, but also understanding what are those entry, some of those entry level skills, whether they be around understanding uh you know, the how to live and work in a, in a, in a digital uh, world and workplace, uh, are we ensuring that they have those skills to be able to do that? It's interesting. It'll be a, a long process to get it right, particularly since the workplace is not what it used to be. I mean, the pandemic has changed some of it too, but we were already onto a track where you know, we're not necessarily going to work for one employer for a long period of time. And even at, at once, you may work for different people. Like gig work is not going away even for professionals. What does that change for you? 
I think, I mean, I think it changes a lot for society uh, as well as changing a lot for universities and employers. And I think that for some of it, uh, there are some big societal questions that we need to, to tackle around this. But I think when you focus on what it means from a, a work universe, learning environment is again, this, this, this stopping in and stopping out and what that means and how do we facilitate that in a way that's that's meaningful. I also think that, uh, you know, as we learn from this pandemic, there's lots that can be done in online uh, training and we will continue to improve um, collectively our abilities to, to, to do that type of, of teaching and learning support, but also understanding that not everyone in the country has the same ac access to uh, for example, having broadband and cellular coverage. And, and so I think we have to be very holistic as we start to go down this, this road of understanding, um, you know, how, how we make this world of work and learning as equitable as possible and access for all Canadians um, be really meaningful. So I have to ask about the pandemic. I mean, it's been sort of a crash course in how to deliver education virtually. I hear lots of views on this, but I'm interested in yours. Do you think it will be viewed as a positive or will it be called a failed experiment, which I have also heard? I think there's going to be lots of positive learnings from this, um, some of which will be that there is some types of learning and some um some demographics of students for whom, you know, a face-to-face -face, uh, part of their learning is going to be the absolute best way, even if it's if it's hybridized with digital learning in some way. So I think absolutely that is going to be one of the learnings. But I also think that uh, it has uh, supported universities in rolling out uh, more online learning courses that are um, absolutely designed for being in a in a digital environment, i.e., they're not just you know PowerPoint presentations um, put up put up digitally. They're 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 designed to be um, supportive of learning in a digital in, environment. And I think as we go forward, what we're going to see is that you know it does give people the ability to stop in and stop out um, to live outside of a university town. Um, being able to 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 access online, so I think that that's what we're going to take as a as as a positive as well. So I think there all I think all the learnings will be positive in that I think they will help us to be better institutionally um, in supporting the learning where the learning is best needs needs to happen in the future. I know you can only answer for Laurier, so that's fine. But do you think when we were able to do in person learning again, hopefully this September? universities will continue to offer the online option? I think we will for two reasons. I think we will for one is that not every student is going to be ready to come back um, in person. And so, you know, for a health and safety reason, I think you can still continue to see um, universities providing opportunities for online online learning. Um, there will also be some faculty and staff not able to come back. For example, they may have... Um, other other health challenges and so being online will be as we you know we're going to need to be a little further out of the pandemic before we can come 
come back fully. But I also do think that the flexibility that students want, and we were seeing this even before the pandemic, that students like the idea of, say, taking four of their courses in person and one online because it gave them work flexibility or uh, life flexibility. Um, and I think we will continue to see that as, as we go forward. I think the other thing is we're going to see a lot more hybrid courses where we're going to see maybe, um, you know, let's say a three hour per week class might have, you know, one hour um, in person in a, in a small seminar, one, per, one hour in a, in a large classroom, and then one hour digitally. And you could see, you can, so you can see the traditional way that courses were taught changing again to meet uh, what pedagogy works best and what meets uh, the, learn, the learning styles of the students. It can really change things up because now you think of, okay, I want to go to Laurier, but my family's in BC. Does this make sense? If more is online, you could have students from all over. Absolutely. I, I do think online does does have the um, ability for, for students to be more choosy and uh, for, uh, for global education to, to really become a reality. I can't see how that would be a bad thing if we're talking about future of work and providing education for people. Uh, we're here's a, a different topic. It's something you kind of talked about earlier when we talked about access to broadband and the like. We're starting to see more and more divisions between workers. Okay, big paybacks to some skills, others finding it hard to hold on to employment at all. Now you're you know coming at it from one place, which is post secondary education. But do you see ways to include more people? Absolutely. And I think part of that, that we need to uh, be, universities need to be distributed more than just in their, in their host communities. Our host communities get a lot of benefits by being, say, a university town. Um, and how do we use um, the opportunities through digital to provide um, those types of experiences to learn um, in perhaps smaller communities, more distance, more rural, more northern indigenous uh, communities, etc. So I think there's a real opportunity uh, around that. Um, it's it's a real passion for me to ensure that as we move forward, that um, this the theories of access become um, become realities. And so uh, I really do see opportunities um, uh, through through digital. Uh, to be able to do some of that. And that's where you see see real investments by the prov provincial and federal governments, for example, in connectivity uh, being critical um, as we go forward as, as, a, as a country. Well, you have some ambitious plans for Laurier in general. You know, you seem to want to change its image and maybe change the image of universities in general. Tell us about that. Well, I think any plans for that I have for Laurier really are based on our over 100-year history of being um, anchor institutions in our host, host communities. And first and foremost, we really are here to ensure that all of our people, our students, our employees, our alumni, our community partners can meet their full potential. And so more than ever, that means understanding how people learn best and what the skills and attributes people are going to need to be successful as leaders, as citizens, entrepreneurs, community builders, workforce con uh, contributors um, in the future. So really our institutional purpose is to inspire lives of leadership and purpose. 
And we do that by building future-focused and thriving communities. And so the future of work and learning really is one critical way that, that we uh, will be able to do that. The theme of this series, sponsored by Microsoft, is coming back stronger. And we're talking about ways to come back stronger after this pandemic. Are you optimistic we'll do this? Absolutely. And I really think that one of the things that I really see in universities' futures is to be uh, really porous institutions, you know, responsive to community needs while really expanding what that definition of uh, community is away from our, our traditional, you know, 18 to 22 year old uh, into a much more uh, access focused, holistic uh, uh, vision of uh, what the role that universities play in creating and disseminating knowledge. So stepping out of our ivory towers and really being fully integrated into our local, national and global communities. Deb, thanks so much for being with us today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Deborah McClatchy is the president of Wilfrid Laurier University. Well, that's it for today. If you do want to know more about Deborah and about Wilfrid Laurier, please check out our show notes. You'll find her bio there as well as some links. If you would like to keep in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did enjoy this episode, please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll really help people to find us and we'll help to keep discussions about the future of work going. Thanks so much for being here. A special thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring this discussion. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.